the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And then finally, he says, they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, I want an indictment on the, on the church of today. Pleasure is the thing that they love, not God. For if they love God, they wouldn't love pleasure. Now, Paul is not against having fun. Paul is not against pleasure. Paul is not against pleasant things. Paul is not against any of that. But he is against being a lover of pleasure. Where that dominates your life, it is a pleasure-seeking world that we live in. Pleasure seekers. How many people today are in church to be entertained? The Apostle Paul warned a young pastor named Timothy about pleasure seekers and the arrogant, the unloving, the unholy, and so on. Tough times were coming to the church. In fact, tough times had already come and they remain today. They are brought about by people, people with attitudes that will bring difficult times. But there is a way to survive those difficult times and that's our subject these days on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying 2 Timothy chapter 3. In the opening verses of that chapter, Paul listed the kinds of character traits that some people would bring into the church, which would threaten the very existence of any local congregation that doesn't know how to defend against them. We've already heard about quite a few dangerous kinds of infections. Here's Pastor Steve with some more. Then he says that they are disobedient to parents. And now Paul speaks about the youth group of a church. So young people, listen. He says that in the last days, men, mankind, boys and girls, men and women, but here he's speaking about boys and girls, they will be disobedient to parents. And he's speaking about the church. We know that that's certainly the case in society. That's not even a question about that. But he's talking about the church youth groups now. Disobedience. Self-love grips people while they are still young. It doesn't happen when they turn 18. It doesn't happen when they turn 20, 21. The Bible commands children not only to obey, but even beyond obedience is to reverence and honor their parents, whether they are saved parents or lost parents, whether they are moral parents or immoral parents. We are still to respect them and still to honor them. Yet when a child loves himself, everything else doesn't really matter. He loves himself. He's the only one that counts. He doesn't care about his parents. He doesn't care about any authority. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. And that's coming at young people from so many different angles. In fact, sometimes parents unwittingly promote that themselves. If the sun rises and falls on your little child and everything that that child does uh, in life is centered around them and the whole family has to cater to the child's needs and and when that child sleeps, and when that child gets up, and when, everything, then you have promoted that. That's one of the things I so appreciate about the ministry of Gary and Anne Marie Ezzo, that they really stress that the first priority in a husband and wife and family's relationship is the husband and wife. 
that Adam and Eve were, were fine and sufficient and satisfied with each other before they had children. Had they never had children, they still would have had a wonderful marriage. Of course, we wouldn't be here today talking about this. But they would have had a wonderful marriage. It would have been the only marriage, but a wonderful marriage. So disobedient to parents. And parents, you can't let this happen. You can't let them have their own way. And you can, you can stop it. You don't have to center things around them. Now, we're not saying children aren't important in the family, but they don't have center stage. You can't take a, a, a sinful nature and center everything around it and have that child handle it. They'll want more and more and more. And you have to discipline when there's disobedience. And I'm not talking about just outward disobedience, but passive disobedience, the kind of disobedience that says, I'll do it, but I can't stand it. Attitude disobedience, the kind of disobedience that, uh, that there's just an attitude problem within that child. You must deal with that, and you must be consistent, and you must spank, not be brutal, but spank so as to correct. By not spanking a disobedient and disrespectful child, you just feed his attitude of self-love. He knows he can get away with it, and he'll do it. And let me add, it's not just your home that's affected. It's not just your home that's at stake. It's not just your child that's, that's the issue. It's the church that they eventually settle in, because little Junior and his sister grow up. And they settle in a church and they affect everybody else because they want their way and they've never been told, no, you can't get your way all the time. Paul goes on to say they are ungrateful. Another attitude problem. No appreciation for what others have done for you. Maybe he's talking about children now, but perhaps he has moved on to just people in general. They're so self-centered that they refuse to acknowledge that they have been the recipients of anything. Lack of gratitude, ungrateful, unthankful, never having Uh, enough to be thankful for. If I am ungrateful, it means I'm never satisfied because I want more and I want more and I want more. And you see, if I'm a self-made man, then I'm not thankful to anybody because I made myself. I pulled myself up. I'm self-sufficient and I'm never satisfied. So ungrateful. People in churches like that don't think that they need to say thank you to anybody and yet they want everybody to say thank you to them. They want everybody to appreciate them, and yet they're not thankful to anybody else. Unholy is the next phrase. Unholy means not revering or respecting anything that's sacred. It really means indecent. That, I suppose, is the root of the word indecent. No regard for what is decent. Self-love so dominates that this person flaunts what others consider common decency. We're not even talking here about things that the Bible deals with. Uh, things that would be a violation of God's law. We're talking about things that you don't have to be a believer to even understand. You don't have to be in the Bible to realize that there are certain things that, that common nature, man's nature tells us is wrong. It's a, it's a total disregard for even the common laws of nature. I think we, we only have to think back in the last year about so-called Christian leaders in our nation who have fallen, Baker, Swagger, others, the things that they are accused of would be unholy, indecent, violating the common laws of decency. That's what's happening. And I'm sure there's more of it. More of it it, because he's talking about something that will be on a larger level in the last days. He goes on to say in verse 3, they are unloving. It means without normal human affection to be devoid of natural affection. 
this is a very interesting word. It, it, it's natural for a man to love his wife. It's natural. It's natural for a man to love his children, for a woman to love her children, for a woman to love her husband. You don't have to teach that. You, you don't have to be a believer to have that kind of affection and concern. But this word means that in the last days, in the churches, there will be people who will not have a natural love and affection for their spouse and their children. And this is behind abusive things that are going on, heartless things that are taking place, abusing children, even to the point of killing children, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. You listen to the news and you see, you, you hear about women who just, the child cried so much they killed the child. That's what the, that's what the meaning of this is, without natural love. It is supernatural for believers to love one another. It is supernatural for a believer to love someone who is unloving. But it is very natural and normal for a person to love his family. But to beat a wife is unloving. To beat children is unloving. That, that's, that's the meaning of this. It means not caring for those whom we are connected with by natural ties. And this is lower than even animals get. That's what he's talking about. And so you look around us and you see the heartless brutality and you say, Why? The Bible said it all along. And it's only going to get worse and worse. Maybe you grew up in a situation where uh, uh, husbands might do this to their wives, but now they do this to their wives because it's going to get worse and worse. And maybe they were a little bit hard on their children at times, but now it can be life-threatening, brutal. Brutal and heartless, and that's the meaning of unloving, without natural affection. Then he says irreconcilable, which means an unwillingness to negotiate. There can be no reconciliation. It is a refusal to try to work things out. And there are people like that in churches. Their compromise is out of their vocabulary. I'm not talking about theological compromise. I'm talking about sitting down at the table and, and saying, let's negotiate. Let's work this out. Let me try to see it your way. And would you try to see it my way? Irreconcilable means they won't even get to the negotiating table. They say, I'm not interested. My way is the only way. I am unconcerned about what you have to say. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. That's the attitude. It's, it's unreasonable. And it's people like this who are bitter, they'll never give in, they'll never forgive, and they'll never admit they're wrong. Why? Because they love themselves too much. You can't reason with a person like that. You can't appeal to them. The, the feud never ends. And when people like that get into a church, it's terrible. It's terrible. You cannot reason with them. I tell you, it drives me up a wall when I meet someone who I can't reason with. I have no problem when I meet someone who, um, who I disagree with or who disagrees with me and we agree to disagree. However, when I meet someone who's unreasonable, I want to hit my head against the wall. It really bothers me. And there are people like that in, in churches. They won't even try to agree. They're not interested. Why? Because they love themselves too much. Then he speaks of malicious gossips. This Greek word is the same word for devil, and it means a slanderer, a false accuser, a malicious person, a backbiter, speaking evil against other people. And this is what Satan does, and when his people come into the church, this is what they do. Malicious gossips. Why? Why do they do this? Because it is they are malicious towards everyone who gets in their way of meeting their self-needs. You get in my way, I put you down. I talk evil of you. I don't care whether it's true or not. I don't care. I don't care what it does to you. You got in my way. And I'll tell you, churches across our, our nation 
Uh, even believers think that uh, they can say anything they want about anybody else, regardless of the consequences. They destroy reputations. They speak evil about everybody who sees things differently than them, who maybe crosses a T a different way than they do. And Christians do that. So we have to be careful. Malicious gossips. Destroying the reputation of others because it makes my reputation look that much better. He says, without self-control, which means no inhibitions. They are driven by their ambitions. No restraints upon lust. And he may be speaking here about sexual sins, but I think it goes beyond that. Uh, No self-discipline. Whatever they want, they take. That's our society. You only go around once in life, so grant for all the gusto you can get. When that mentality gets into the church, it is horrendous. It destroys churches. Do your own thing, even if it's at somebody else's expense. Then he uses the expression brutal. Brutal means literally untamed, like savage animals. Wild beasts that care only about one thing. You know what a wild beast cares about? Himself. That's it. Wild beast doesn't, you know, doesn't say, oh, you may go first. No. You get in the way of a wild beast and you are history if they're big enough. If they don't get their way, they are brutal with others. And the thought here is ruthless. Brutal. Ruthless. I've been a pastor long enough to know that some of the most ruthless, brutal people are in churches. Insensitive. Things are done to people in the environments of a church that are just ruthless. I've had people say to me, I can't believe that they would say these kinds of things. Brutal. No sympathy, no sensitivity. We've got people in our church today who are recovering. In fact, a number of people who are recovering from brutal pastors and brutal church situations. Men and women who said things that were just, there's no other way of describing it, but brutal and ruthless. And they're recovering here. And we need to encourage them, and I'm not going to give you names or anything like that, but uh, be nice to everybody because you don't know if they're the ones. Okay. Then Paul goes on to say they are haters of good. They hate good. They hate the things that God says in his word is good because they pursue what is evil and not what is good. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Yes, there's a, there are people who call evil good and good evil. They hate good because good just gets in their way of being bad. They are treacherous, which means disloyal. It means a traitor who was used of Judas. Judas was treacherous. He was a traitor, someone who cannot be trusted, someone who you can't tell something to in confidence, someone who has no problem breaking his or her word if it benefits themselves. I know what it's like to be knifed in the back. I've opened my heart to people only to have them turn around and use it against me if it promotes themselves and their cause. I know what that's like. Treacherous, disloyal, reckless. The thought about reckless is that they run headstrong. They are entirely Thoughtless in word and deeds. These are people who rush recklessly forward. And that's the imagery of someone who who is headstrong and just rushes into things without thinking and without caring about anybody else. And if someone gets in their way, it doesn't matter. They just run over them. That's, That's the imagery here. They pursue their deeds without a concern for anyone else. If you get in their way and they hurt you, too bad. They are reckless, like a reckless driver. Just if you happen to be in his lane, he'll smack right into you. It doesn't matter. They're in total disregard of others. Conceited. It means literally puffed up, 
uh, with pride. It means to fill with smoke. That, that is really the literal term, fill with smoke, as, as one who has their heads in the clouds. You know why? When your, heads are in, when your head is in the clouds, you, can, you, you lose sight of reality. You think that you are better than other people. You, you can't see reality because of the smoke that blinds you. Conceited, puffed up with pride and self-importance. And then finally, he says in verse 4, they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Boy, what an indictment on the, on the church of today. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Pleasure is the thing that they love, not God. For if they love God, they wouldn't love pleasure. Now, Paul is not against having fun. Paul is not against pleasure. Paul is not against pleasant things. Paul is not against any of that. But he is against being a lover of pleasure, where that dominates your life. It it is a pleasure-seeking world that we live in. It is a pleasure-seeking world that we live in. For some of us, giving up some pleasures would be like going cold turkey on a drug. Pleasure-seeking world. Whatever makes you enjoy, whatever makes you happy, whatever you enjoy, do it. In fact, there's some silly song that basically says, uh, "Just be happy. Just be happy. Just." I think for around two or three minutes, that's all it says, and some other words. Just be happy. That's really all that matters. If it makes you feel good, do it. Pleasure-seeking, gratification of the flesh. That's all it counts. And you know what? The church has tuned into this type of thinking because we are, we are uh, uh, living in a day and age and with churches have turned to entertainment rather than spiritual ministry. Entertainment. Why? Because we've got to try to satisfy this mentality and some of the largest churches in our country are really nothing less than entertainment centers with some Christian jargon thrown in. You bring in the big singers, you bring in the stars, you, you, uh, you have big shows, you don't, you don't teach the word, you don't deal with sin, you don't do with, deal with that kind of stuff. You just kind of feed this entertainment mentality, this pleasure-seeking attitude. Eddie Gress, the problem? That's the problem. At least that's part of it. That's the problem that the church faces. That's the problem it faced in the first century. That's the problem it faces today. It's clear why the church faces menacing and threatening times because of the people who come into the church. That's how to destroy a church. Get the wrong people in there. When the world gets in the church, it destroys it. When the world comes to church on Sundays, it destroys it. And the way to survive, and I'm talking about coming to church on Sunday and staying there and affecting everyone all week long, it destroys it. And the way to survive is to understand the problem so that you'll avoid these people. Avoid them. I mean, I would say witness to them. But avoid them in the sense of having close fellowship with them, of having close association, because you will not bring them up to your level. They will tear you down. Be careful. You know how to uh, insulate yourself from this kind of stuff? It's very simple. Love God with all of your heart, mind, spirit, soul. Love God as you should, and you won't be like this. As simple as that. Love God. If you find that your love has grown cold, if you find that your love has, for the Lord has become stagnant, I find when I, when I fall into those kinds of times in my life that the best thing to do is just say, Lord, my heart's cold. This is what's happened. And if you're aware of some kind of, of sin that's done this, then you confess it. But I'm, I try to be quite honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm cold towards you. I'm cold towards people. I want you to help me to return to my first love to get back to uh, the honeymoon with Christ. God is your Father. 
then you believe that he takes care of you, and he certainly answers a prayer like that. So this is the problem. The problem is people, always. If we're the kind of people that we should be, the church will never be destroyed. Our church will never be destroyed. If we're the kind of people we should be. It always comes back to the will of God being more important to what you are than what you do. What you do is secondary to what you are. So uh, this is a very sobering look at the problem facing the church in difficult times. The church is people. In fact, the Greek word for church does not mean a building. It means the called out ones. We are the called out ones to be different. And if we are not different and we become like this, then we'll destroy the church. And so we need to be careful. We need to be aware so that we can survive and walk with Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Perhaps in going through this list, some of these things have struck you. Perhaps uh, you are not to the degree of these people. This doesn't characterize your life, but maybe it's a little bit more in your life, some of these qualities, than they should be. We struggle. Probably we struggle with all of these. There are times we're unreasonable. There are times we won't bend. We're not flexible. There are times we're malicious gossips. There are times, certainly, that we are ungrateful. There are times that young people in this church are disobedient to their parents in their hearts, if not outwardly, and probably outwardly as well. There are times we're arrogant. There are times where we love pleasure more than the spiritual disciplines that we ought to be loving in the Lord. There are times that we're conceited. There are times that we just live for self. If that's facing you tonight, then you just need to repent. Change your mind with an attitude of changing the direction. Change your mind. Forsake it. Walk away from it. And just be honest with the Lord now. Just be honest. You want to survive difficult times? Understand that this is what characterizes the church in the church age. Or at least this is what's going to be there. You've got to be active. You've got to be involved. You've got to be different. Love God and you'll be different. Love yourself and you'll be like this. Father, thank you for 2 Timothy chapter 3. Lord, thank you that it is a word from you and not something that I made up. Not something that Paul made up. It's from you. May it strike us where it hurts. May we take heed to the intent of this passage to so inform us of the problem people in the church that we would avoid them, that we would avoid these attitudes, that we would not let this type of behavior and thinking sink into ours. Father, I pray for each one here that you will help us to be so madly in love with Jesus Christ that we'll live for him, not ourselves. Lord, we have to die to that. We have to reckon ourselves as dead. We have to do as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, that he beat his body, he disciplined himself. There are times we almost have to be violent with ourselves to do what's right. Help us, Lord, to never, to never stop fighting ourselves to do what's right, because these things are not natural. And our Father, we pray that you will preserve Lakeside, that you will protect our church. When all around us we hear about problems and difficulties and church splits and attitude uh, problems and entertainment and all of this, Lord, protect us because we belong to you. Preserve for yourself our church 
as a light to the community and to the world for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's something we would do well to pray for concerning each of our churches. May the Lord protect us from divisive attitudes. I'm very glad you could be here today for Verse by Verse, featuring the expository Bible teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you have questions about today's topic or would like to order a free CD with the entire sermon Pastor Steve just finished, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. For information about Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com. Did you miss one of the previous programs in the series? If you have a computer and internet, that's no problem at all because they are all on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the message archive link. We also have a link that makes it easy to help finance these broadcasts. Thank you for your generous gifts that make them possible. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. We're all familiar with the old axiom, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. What if we replace the word duck with Christian? Does the test still work? Eh, a little. The thing is, only the Lord knows for sure if another person is genuinely saved. But there are indicators, as we've been seeing. Jesus himself warned us that there would be unbelievers in the church passing themselves off as believers. Can we sort them out? We'll start looking into that on the next Verse by Verse. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.